and welcome to the Blue Diamond. This is A. Dre with something to say. So if you listened to last week's episode, which was about Anne Frank and parallel stories, you are expecting to hear the follow-up to that episode. I didn't get to say everything that I wanted to say, and so I broke it up into two segments. And I actually recorded the second part immediately after I recorded the first part. However, I am going to briefly interrupt it with this episode because I feel that this is really important for me to share. So, this all started um, right before my birthday, which is August 15th. I, well, you know what, let me back up from there just in case there's a first time listener. So I am alive as a result of God performing many miracles in my life. Miracles in uh, situations where I was knocking on death's door. Uh, To give you a little bit um, more specifics about my background, I am a three-time heart attack survivor. Yes, I've had three heart attacks. I've also had open heart surgery. I um, have died as a result of that and then been brought back to life. I have uh, survived two brain aneurysms and uh, one stroke. I've had three brain surgeries and I have titanium coils in my brain. I have had uh, seven organs removed. So I've had multiple surgeries. I have been battling major health issues since I was 28 years old and I'm now 49. Uh, So damn near my entire adult life. And each time there's been some sort of miracle happen in some kind of way. And I, I'm not going to get um, into the specifics of that because I there is another episode um, that I recorded several months ago where I go into those specifics. So anyway, um, it was revealed to me, actually before I tell you that, I'm going to make a prediction. Some of you are going to believe me after you hear this story and feel that I am blessed. I'm living a blessed life. Some of you are not going to believe me and you're going to think that I'm absolutely certifiably crazy. Some of you are going to be indifferent and really don't care at all. And some of you are not going to know what to think, what to believe. Okay, now I'm ready to tell my story. So, uh, roughly about um, three weeks ago, three, four weeks, well, not quite a month, so about three weeks ago, uh, right before my birthday, it was revealed to me that I am an angel. I said it. (laughs) I paused because I wasn't sure I was going to be courageous enough to share that because I know 
how it might sound to some people. But anyway, it, that was revealed to me that I really am an angel. I told a very small number of people because I wasn't ready to be that vulnerable. So I told people who I knew would not judge me or think that I was crazy. And I chose wisely because each person I told said, one, they didn't think that I was crazy, and two, they absolutely believed me. One person asked me, when did I think I became an angel? And I hadn't really thought about that until she asked me that question. And I just made an assumption that I'm an angel who asked to come down to earth to have a human experience. And I was, uh, you know, born as Andrew Kelly, as me. Um, and then somebody else asked me if I had asked God because I was saying that I really felt this, but I wasn't sure if it was just a thought in my head or if it's actually true. So uh, when they asked me if I asked God, it wasn't that they were questioning me. They were trying to help me find um, an answer. So I hadn't asked God. But it was something that was revealed to me. I really felt that it was a revelation that came from God. And so, but at the same time, it was so bizarre. I know God is not a God of confusion. I never felt confused. It was more so that, is this even possible? So finally, I decided to ask God. God has a very specific way of communicating with me and I've been communicating with him for so long that I know when it's him talking to me. So anyway, after I asked the question, the most bizarre things started happening to me. The first was I went into the hospital three days after my birthday to the same day surgery center to have an outpatient procedure. And after I came out of the anesthesia from that procedure, I was not speaking English. I could not speak English. However, I was speaking. I could hear my voice and I could hear that it clearly was not English, but I understood everything that I was saying and I was speaking feverishly because I was trying to communicate with the medical staff in the room who, as you can imagine, were completely baffled because before I went under, I was speaking English and I wake up and I'm speaking a whole new language. And there was this one nurse who kept 
saying she's speaking another language. She's speaking another language. And she would ask me, what language are you speaking? Somebody needs to help us. We need to get a translator. She was really trying to figure out what language I was speaking. She was also confused because while I wasn't speaking English, I was able to um, follow their commands. So she knew that I could understand her. So she was like, well, you know, she's in there. She's definitely in there, you know, because she's following our commands. After about 20, 25 minutes, the anesthesiologist suggested that they give me pen and paper and asked me if I could write. And I just kind of shrugged my shoulders because I didn't know how it was going to come out. I'm speaking, but it's not coming out as English. So if I write, is it going to come out as hieroglyphics or something? I had no idea, but uh, I decided I would try. So the very first thing I wrote on the paper was, I only speak English. When the medical staff read that, everybody started to freak out. They started freaking out. Because they didn't, at, at, at one point, someone had used the phrase expressive aphasia, but then they realized, well, no, that's not really the case because she's not struggling to express herself. We just don't understand what, what she's saying. And I did write on the paper, I only speak English. Then I wrote, I understand all of you. You don't understand me. So now they're trying to figure out what's going on because all this time they assumed that I was speaking another language. I wasn't stuttering. I wasn't stammering. I wasn't garbling English. I wasn't searching for the right words to say. I was having conversation. So now that they know I only speak English, they're like, what the hell is going on? One nurse said to me, you know, later on, that when she read the paper, she said her heart stopped beating and she felt like she needed to check her underwear. <laughs> she was freaking out. So they immediately call for a neurologist because now they're like, oh, she's having a stroke. As I'm laying there in the bed and I can hear myself speaking this other language and I can fully understand it, I said, well, I asked God, I said, I said, Lord, is this the language of the angels? This is a language I'm speaking because I understand it. So is this the language of the angels? Okay. It's not like I heard his voice at that moment and he answered me. Um, instead, you know, I get tuned back into my surroundings and what everybody's doing. Neurologist comes in. By the time the neurologist comes in, I'm speaking English again. So I guess it was about a 35, 40 minute 
um, time span before I started speaking English again. I just kept focusing on the word English and saying it in my head, English, 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 and then opened up my mouth to say it and it came out very faintly as English. Now at this time I'm in the room by myself. <laughs> so then when I realize that I can speak English, I start screaming the word English over and over again so that they can hear me and come into my room. I'm just screaming English, English, English. This whole scene was absolutely bizarre. So, um, one nurse comes into my room and, oh, I'm sorry, wait a minute, let me back up. Before I said the word English, a nurse was trying to get me to say my name. So she asked me what my name was. Now, I just kind of stared at her. I didn't answer her because I couldn't speak English yet and I didn't know how it was going to come out. I didn't know what to say. So she said, you're thinking about it, aren't you? And I just kind of like shook my head or whatever. I didn't want her to think that I didn't comprehend because I understood what she was asking me and I knew the answer. I just didn't know how to verbalize it. So she then pointed to her name tag and asked me what her name was. I couldn't see her name tag though because I didn't have my glasses on. But I couldn't tell her that I didn't have my glasses on because or I couldn't tell that I needed my glasses because I couldn't speak English. So I pointed to my eyes and she immediately grabbed a Kleenex and started dabbing my eyes, which was kind of strange because I wasn't crying or even tearing or whatever. And so I shook my head no and I pointed to her glasses, which were resting on the top of her head. And when I pointed to her glasses, she said, oh, you like my hair? And I'm like, lady, I'm thinking to myself, we're in a situation here where I'm struggling to communicate. I'm frustrated. You want me to tell you your name. I can't read the name. Why the hell would I be commenting on your hair right now? That was what I was thinking. And so I became very frustra frustrated and tried to take her glasses off her head. She says, oh, you need glasses. And I'm pointing to where my glasses are. And um, so she gets my glasses and I put them on and I look at her name tag and I see what her name is. And when I try to say it, it comes out as Gammy. So it was the closest thing to speaking English that I had said in about 40 minutes. Her name was actually Maggie. And I had said, gammy. And when I heard myself, I knew that was wrong, but that was the way that it came out. So then she left the room. And at that point, I started practicing the whole English, English thing in my head. Then started shouting English and everybody came running into the room. And the nurse, Maggie, who had been the main nurse taking care of me, when I started, uh, shouting English and she came running into the room she was oh my god you can speak English and then she asked me a couple of questions and I answered them with no problem and she just grabbed me and hugged me and then I just started crying so hard 
with a sense of relief because it's very frustrating to try to communicate with someone and you can't. So um, um, now the neurologist comes and a neurologist neurologist examines me and asks me some questions and uh, determines that I may have just suffered a stroke and tells me they are going to admit me to the hospital. And I'm like, damn, this is why I hate going to the hospital for anything. When people look at my history, it doesn't matter what I go into the hospital for, I end up getting admitted. One time I went to the hospital, to the emergency room, because my big toe hurt. And not only did I get admitted, but they put me in ICU. (laughs) They put me on the critical care unit because I went in because my toe hurt. So I try to avoid hospitals at all costs. Anyway, um, he told me that I was going to be admitted. They wanted to do a CAT scan and an MRI and, and also observe me. So, um... I get admitted, they do a CAT scan uh, without contrast, and then a few hours later, they do a CAT scan with contrast. And then the next morning, they did another CAT scan without contrast. So I'm like, okay, this is my third CAT scan in less than 24 hours. Why do you guys keep doing this? And they told me that the radiology department at the hospital was refusing to give me an MRI because I have coils in my head and they don't know the serial number of the coils. And so per their policy, they cannot um, give me an MRI if they don't have the serial number. All right. So the best they can do is a CAT scan, which is not going to be as conclusive But they gave me the third CAT scan 24 hours after they gave me, well, about 20 hours after they gave me the first one. And they were looking for changes. They said, this is the best that we can do since we can't do the MRI. They didn't see any changes between the two CAT scans. So they decided to send me home. Someone at some point at the hospital called my neurologist. And he ended up calling me the uh, day I got home from the hospital. And he said, you need further testing done because they've sent you home with no explanation for what happened. And they also did not do thorough testing. You have to have an MRI. He asked me when my coils were placed. I told him my coils were placed in 2016. And he said, as of 2000, all coils put in um, people's brains in the United States of America are MRI safe. So I won't have to worry about any kind of serial number or anything like that um, if I go up to Yukon Health. So he said, let us handle all of your testing. So um, a um, a week and a half later, I end up having an angiography, uh, a CTA. So it's not a CAT scan, but a CTA. And this CTA uh, 
in the CTA, they had to give me, I think I'm going to say this right. Anybody in the medical profession who might be listening, please forgive me if I mess up any of these medical terms. I did not go to med school, nursing school or anything like that. Anyway, I think it is a, either a bolus or a bolus. Um, so it is a very large amount of contrast given very quickly. They ended up having to put an A-line in my um, arm, which ended up being a big to-do. I have a, a flair for the dramatic. So anytime anything has to be done, it has to be done in the biggest, boldest way. So they were prepping me like they were getting ready to do surgery. And I was like, uh, this is a lot for an IV. Because I thought they were just putting an IV in my arm. And the doctor said, no, we're giving you an A-line. And this is the way that I always go about doing it. Because, I mean, he was laying out his towels and washing my arm. And took this big-ass needle and stuck it in my arm to numb my arm. And when he pushed that numbing medication uh, through that needle into my arm I wanted to punch him in the face oh my god it hurt so much it hurt so much but I was grateful for it later because when he put that a-line in my arm I didn't feel a thing and when they took that catheter out of my arm and showed me what was in my arm I said damn that's a McDonald's straw shit excuse my language um I was just glad I couldn't feel anything so anyway that was the CTA so that was actually last Friday that I had that done, that, which was the 28th of August. So um, on Monday morning, August 31st, my neurologist calls me and tells me that the uh, CTA revealed that I have a tumor. He specified that it is not a brain tumor because it is not in the brain. It is in the lining outside of the brain that protects the brain. So it is laying between the skull and the brain. Um, my very best, oldest, dearest friend is... Um, in the medical profession and she told me the proper name of it um, which was later confirmed but I can't pronounce it but anyway um, so I have this um, this tumor and he said the neurologist said that he wanted to wait for the results from the MRI and I was having the MRI done on Tuesday September 1st so he said he would call me the day after the MRI and after that, we will discuss next steps and possible treatment or whatever. But he definitely sounded concerned. Um, so I was like, oh, Lord, what now? What now? And I will say this. He definitely softened the blow. He, it wasn't like he called me and said, hey, you, you have a tumor. He called me and said that there was no narrowing of any... Um, vessels or arteries or whatever um, in my head. Uh, my brain looks really healthy. 
the um, titanium coils were in there, you know, inside of the brain aneurysm, um, doing what they were supposed to be doing. They weren't sticking to anything, poking anything, you know, everything looks good inside of the brain. But there was this tumor just outside of the brain. So I get off the phone with him and... I definitely wasn't scared, but I was frustrated and disappointed. Um, and I wasn't worried, but I was tired. It's been 17 months since my last major medical battle. And I am still in recovery mode from that. And am not equipped to handle another major medical battle. So I decided I wouldn't try to fight this battle. Uh, I would give it up to God. I spoke to a couple of people um, about what I was going through. And I said, all right, I'm just going to have to give this one to God. I'm not going to even try to fight this battle. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to give it to him to handle and go on about my business. I will, of course, pray, but I'm not going to try to figure out what I'm supposed to do or, or anything like that. So, oh, oh my goodness, I forgot to tell you guys something that was really important that happened. So I got to back up a little bit. Um, while I was at the hospital, when I went down to have the third, um, CAT scan done, the CAT scan tech and I were talking about what happened to me. And remember I said that I asked God if I was speaking the language of the angels I didn't tell her that. I just told, we were just talking about my situation and why I was getting the CAT scan done. And she said it in a very matter of fact way. She said, just like this, hmm, maybe you were speaking in tongues and you were blessing people. Did you think about that? And I just kind of looked at her like, huh. Well, I did ask God if I was speaking the language of the angels and now this woman is telling me that I was probably speaking in tongues so then I was brought back to my room and the PCT came into my room for for some reason I don't remember and it was this young black man and um we started you know talking about you know why I was there and you know what happened to me or whatever. And then I told him what the um, CAT scan tech said that, you know, maybe I was speaking in, in tongues that I thought about that or whatever. And maybe I was there to bless people. And he looked at me and he said, you're different. He said, every time I come in here, I feel something. I feel something coming from you that you are not ordinary. There's something special about you. And it's a good vibe, you know. 
but he couldn't really put his finger on it but he knew that I was not like other patients he was going to see and so from there we continued to talk and we had a very good conversation and when we were done conversing he thanked me for speaking to him a little while later the speech pathologist came to my room of course she had been sent there to do some tests to test my swallowing and have me say some words and all of that so she went through her testing or whatever and um, she asked me to describe to her what happened and so I did and she said she was intrigued how the phrase I wasn't speaking English kept being used. It wasn't like somebody had told her that I couldn't speak because clearly I could verbalize. Um, And like I said before, it wasn't like she was told that I was stuttering or, or anything like that. So she was intrigued by that phrase, I wasn't speaking English. And I said to her, well, that was the case. I was speaking. It just was not English. So she asked me what I thought it was. And so I told her how I had asked God if I was speaking the language of the angels. I told her how the the tech um, gave me food for thought. You know, maybe I was speaking in tongues. And I could very well see how that made sense because it went along with me asking God if it was the language of the angels, which went along with me asking God if I was an angel. So um, our conversation ended up turning toward faith to the point where the speech pathologist actually sat down on the bed engrossed in the conversation. And I realized that the conversation I had with the PCT and the conversation that I had with the speech pathologist were conversations that both of them needed to hear. They needed either a reminder or to be encouraged but they needed to hear what I had to say. Well, they needed to hear the message God wanted delivered to them. And it wasn't until later that I realized I was being used in that way. God always makes sure I'm at the right place at the right time. After I left the hospital, I was sure that I had not had a stroke that I did not have a brain bleed, but that I had had a divine experience. I did tell two people that who thought I was crazy. My nurse, the last nurse that I had the day that I was discharged, I told him that I believed I was speaking in tongues. He had never heard that phrase before. And when I explained to him about the Holy Spirit entering you and speaking in tongues and that whole thing, he looked at me like he was ready to transfer me to the psych ward. Also, when I had my follow-up appointment with my primary, I told her, and she was convinced that I wasn't taking the matter seriously. 
and kept harping on she couldn't wait to see the MRI results that my neurologist had ordered. She even went so far as to tell me that for her to say she would love to see my the results of my MRI is an understatement because she was very anxious to see it. All right, so let's fast forward to um, me getting the results from the um, uh, CTA, which showed the tumor, and then me going to get the MRI. All right, so... Um, as I'm waiting for the to get the MRI done, I'm praying. Because remember, I've decided I'm not even going to try to fight this battle. But I'm praying to God to do something miraculous. I, I can remember saying to him, Lord, you know, if um, you see fit, can you just make the tumor disappear? So that when um, I have the MRI and look at those images, they can't find it. It's like, it's gone, right? Can you, can you do that? So I had the MRI on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, I had an appointment with my therapist. And I was giving her the, the whole story, letting her know everything that happened. And I told her how I had spoken to God and asked him to make the tumor disappear. And I said, I know that might sound crazy, but seeing as he's already done that for me before and he's performed such incredible miracles in my life, I do believe that um, he can do it again. It doesn't seem far-fetched to me at all. And then I had another revelation, actually two more. The first revelation was that God making a tumor disappear is as easy as clipping a hangnail. You know, it's, it's, it's really easy. It's as easy as turning a page in a book. So there's really no reason for me to try to figure out, you know, what I'm going to do next and what does this mean for my future? Because he can really do this. The other revelation was the answer to one of the questions that a friend of mine asked me about me being an angel, which was, when did you become an angel? I told you what, how I answered it, but I, I don't know. The question kind of threw me off because it wasn't something I thought about. And I wasn't even quite sure why that was relevant or important. And I didn't ask God that question. I asked God if I was an angel, Right. And he's allowing, you know, these different things to happen in my life and me to be used in certain ways, which to me is proving that this is not in my head, but that I am an angel. And then I had a revelation. It, well, it was revealed to me, I should say. I became an angel 
on March 19th, 2019. That was the day I died. That was the day I actually died. And not only that I did I die, but the report says that they struggled to bring me back. It was a struggle. A lot of effort went into it. And when they brought me back, I was left sedated and on a ventilator because I couldn't breathe. And when I woke up, I can remember having some poignant conversations with God. Oh boy, I could hear his voice so clearly. Hmm. So anyway, all of this stuff is starting to really make sense to me. And so of course, if I'm here as an angel, how could I possibly be taken out by a tumor? <laughs> a tumor is nothing to God. It's, it doesn't compare to his power, right? It can't stop me from doing whatever it is he intends me to do. And I know he intends for me to bring a powerful message about him. So anyway, I, uh, I'm waiting for the phone call from my neurologist with the MRI results and to talk about next steps. And I received that call this morning. <laughs> my neurologist calls me and tells me that there wasn't one tumor, but there was more than one tumor. There were tumors, right? However, all of them have cured themselves. Those are his words. They've cured themselves. Right? So it wasn't the case that they looked at the MRI and couldn't find the tumors. The tumors have cured themselves. My brain looks good. I did not suffer a stroke. I did not have a brain bleed. Whatever happened with my speech on that day, and by the way, it happened a few days later after I got out of the hospital, it happened again. Um, whatever that was could not be medically explained by a CTA or an MRI, which... Um, showed a very healthy brain. And he said, you know, I could, you know, give you an EEG, but I really don't think you had a seizure. Uh, but, you know, if you want to dig a little deeper, and in my head, I'm thinking, I don't need another explanation because I was so sure that I hadn't had a stroke. I was positive. I kept telling people I had a divine experience. I did not have a stroke. 
And that was why I was frustrated and disappointed when the CTA revealed a tumor. And I'm so glad that I handled it the way that I did. I'm so glad that I said I'm giving this to God. I'm just going to trust him in this situation. And I became overjoyed when speaking to the neurologist. Now understand this. My my joy, my happiness did not come from knowing that the tumors cured themselves. That feeling, those feelings, came from knowing that God has chosen to favor me once again. God has chosen to perform a miracle in my life yet again. He has chosen to bless me again. He is choosing to use me and I am so honored and in awe that he has chosen me. You don't go through everything that I've been through and be the recipient of such incredible miracles without it meaning something and having some sort of purpose. So, here I am living another miracle, walking through another miracle. Now, the neurologist did say that there was an incidental finding and he said whenever you do an MRI of someone's head and neck, Nine times out of ten, you're going to find something. It might just be a bump, but you're going to find something. And what he found, uh, well, what the radiologist found when reading the MRI, is that there is space between the the skull and the brain. Um, and there's a space in this bone um, that is supposed to have air in it. And for whatever reason, it has fluid in it. It's considered, uh, again, I apologize to everybody in the medical field, but I'm going to say um, Petros, P-E-T-R-O-U-S, apex bone or apex Petros bone. Um, I have a, a lesion and there's different types of lesions and mine happens to be um, where there's fluid in the air cell. Um, so he said it, it just needs to be uh, handled. He doesn't do that kind of thing. He'll send me to uh, a specialist who will handle that situation. So uh, I'm not worried about that at all. He said he doesn't think it poses any danger and is pretty sure it is benign. Um, but <laughs> I'm not worried about that even a little bit. Okay? Not even a little bit. God is going to use me how he sees fit to use me. He's going to always make sure that I'm where he needs me to be. At the right time. Talking to the right 
people. And I wanted to share this story for a couple of reasons. I know there are some medical professionals who listen to my podcast. And I think it's really important that you start thinking out of the box. I know you went to school. I know you are well-versed in the medical field. um, But you haven't seen every single thing. And some things you see... Some things that you will eventually see are things that weren't in the book. (laughs) They weren't in lecture. They weren't in lab or whatever it is you guys do in medical school. Uh, Sometimes things don't make sense based on what you were taught. But that doesn't mean it cannot happen. My friend who's in the medical field has told me on so many occasions how my medical history has made her a better practitioner and has saved the lives of so many of her patients because she thinks outside of the box. Um, But also, I want medical professionals who aren't ready doing so To make room for faith. Make room for God. And don't look at your patients or treat your patients like they're crazy or that they don't comprehend what's happening to them because they mention God and faith. And then to the layperson. I want you to know that no matter how insurmountable your situation seems, if you give it to God, He can handle it in the stamp of a finger, in the blink of an eye. And He only wants good things for your life. He only wants to bless you. If you trust him and give it to him, he'll make good of it. He will. And so I ask you to step out on faith. I have had some incredible miracles happen in my life. I am a walking, breathing miracle, a walking, breathing testimony. All of these things that have happened over the last 49 years of my life are because God saw fit to perform a miracle in my life. It's not because of anything that I've done. I'm not super strong. I'm not curing myself. I didn't make my very first brain aneurysm disappear after a neurologist told my parents I do not think she'll make it through the night. But if she does, we'll try to go in there and do surgery. And then the brain aneurysm disappeared. After there was blood in my spinal fluid. It had already ruptured. But then they saw no sign of of a bleed. But you know what? 
My pastor came in, he put his hands on my head, and he prayed. I died and came back. God can defeat death. I know he can defeat death. I'm evidence that he can defeat death. Why would I doubt him? Why would I try to be the captain of my own ship? I can't defeat death. I see a spider and I lose my damn mind. I sure as hell can't defeat death. So trust him. Believe in him. Call on him. Let go and let God. Okay, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I will be getting back to the Anne Frank segment uh, next week. So thank you for letting me sneak in here and interrupt right quick. And uh, please share the link to this episode. And if you have any comments or questions, you can always um, contact me. And in my outro, I'll give you the information on how to do so. This is Adre signing off. One more quick thing. The name of the tumors I have that cured themselves is meningioma. So that's what I have, meningiomas. Once again, thank you all so much for your support. Thank you for listening. I ask that you share this podcast with a friend or even listen with a friend. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public. You can follow me on Spotify. You can also follow me on my Facebook page, which is called The Blue Diamond. And if you would like to leave me a message, you can go to anchor.fm slash the blue diamond and simply click the message button. You can also leave me a message on the Facebook page. Once again, thank you for your support. Thank you.